Leviticus 26, these are God's words. You shall not make idols for yourselves, neither a carved image nor a sacred pillar. Shall you rear up for yourselves, nor shall you set up an engraved stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am Yahweh your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am Yahweh. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely. I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts, and the sword will not go through your land. You will chase your enemies, they shall fall. By the sword before you, five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you, for I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat the old harvest and clear out the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God. And you shall be my people. I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves. I have broken the bands of your yoke, and made you walk upright. But if you do not obey me, and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes, and if your soul abhors my judgments, so that you do not perform all my commandments, but break my covenant, I also will do this to you, and I will even appoint terror over you, Wasting disease and fever, which shall consume the eyes, and cause sorrow of heart. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I'll set my face against you, and you shall be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when no one pursues you. And after all this, if you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heavens like iron, and your earth like bronze, and your strength shall be spent in vain. For your land shall not yield its produce, nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. Then, if you walk contrary to me, and are not willing to obey me, I will bring on you seven times more plagues according to your sins. I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children, destroy your livestock, and make you few in number and your highways shall be desolate. And if by these things you are not reformed by me, but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you. And I will punish you yet seven times for your sins, and I will bring a sword against you that will execute the vengeance of the covenant. When you are gathered together within your cities, I will send pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. When I have cut off your supply of bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall bring back your bread by weight. You shall eat and not be satisfied. And after all this, if you do not obey me, but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. You shall eat the flesh of your sons, and you shall eat the flesh of your daughters. I will destroy your high places, cut down your incense altars, and cast your carcasses on the lifeless forms of your idols, and my soul shall abhor you. 
I will lay your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries to desolation, and I will not smell the fragrance of your sweet aromas. I will bring the land to desolation, and your enemies who dwell in it shall be astonished at it. I will scatter you among the nations and draw out a sword after you. Your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. Then the land's land shall enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate, and you are in your enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it shall rest for the time it did not rest on your Sabbaths when you dwelt in it. And as for those of you who are left, I will send faintness into their hearts in the land of their enemies. The sound of a shaken leaf shall cause them to flee. They shall flee as though fleeing from a sword, and they shall fall when no one pursues. They shall stumble over one another, as it were, before a sword when no one pursues. You shall have no power to stand before your enemies. You shall perish among the nations, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And those of you who are left, left shall waste away in their iniquity in their enemies' lands, also in their fathers' iniquities which are with them. They shall waste away. But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me, and, they all, and that they also have walked contrary to me, and that I also have walked contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies, if their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they accept their guilt, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham. I will remember. I will remember the land. The land also shall be left empty by them, and will enjoy its Sabbaths while it lies desolate with them. They will accept their guilt, because they despise my judgments, and because their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, nor shall I abhor them to utterly destroy them and break my covenant with them, for I am Yahweh their God. But for their sake, I will remember the covenant of their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt, in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am Yahweh. These are the statutes and judgments and laws which Yahweh made between himself and the children of Israel on Mount Sinai by the hand of Moses. Amen. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. So we... Uh, come to chapter 26, we're concluding the section of Leviticus that began in chapter 23, where you had uh, the weekly Sabbath and then the, uh, the annual feasts with its high Sabbaths, and these annual feasts establishing uh, an annual rhythm in the life of the people, but then uh, chapter 25, you remember, had the Sabbath, the Sabbath years in which they would not work the land, but would have more time for this Sabbath unto Yahweh, uh, making these years of reflection and fellowship and extra worship uh, to mark seasons of their lives every seven years or so, in that or so, every seven years. Uh, and then these uh, Sabbaths of Sabbaths of years, the Jubilee, uh, once... In a lifetime, unless you had one when you were very young, you would have one literally a lifetime later when you were very old. 
uh, to establish the rhythm of the life of the nation as a whole. And in between the uh, annual rhythm in chapter 23 and these uh, season of life and generational rhythms that God gives in Leviticus 25, uh, he gives the gives chapter 24 with the shining of his favor and the lampstand and the sharing of his fellowship and the showbread so that they might know that what they have been redeemed for, what every week of their life was about, what every year of their life was about, what every season of their life was about, what every generation of the life of Israel was about, is the shining of the favor and the sharing of the fellowship of the Lord, that they would walk in fellowship with him. And yet, Israel is not going to walk in fellowship with him. And so, chapter 26 tells us the requirements, reminds us again uh, of how dreadful idolatry and Sabbath-breaking, man-made worship and Sabbath-breaking are, holds before us blessings that correspond uh, to the fact that God has given us his worship and his rhythm for our life, to make our whole life be about fellowship with him, blessings that correspond to that, blessings that are personal and in fellowship with God, uh, and then curses, uh, which are also personal, uh, the hostility of God showing his displeasure, making us feel uh, what life uh, outside of fellowship with him fellowship with him is like, or rather making Israel feel what life outside of fellowship with him is like, uh, and then his own determination that uh, at least for a remnant that would end in blessing uh, and not curse. Uh, so first his reminding us that uh, his commands for worship and for Sabbath keeping uh, are commands that show us that worship is fellowship with the true God and that our lives are supposed to be fellowship with the true God. Uh, notice, begins by saying, You shall not make idols for yourselves, neither a carved image or a sacred pillar shall you rear up for yourselves. Uh, and rather than use uh, the one Hebrew letter at the uh, attached to the preposition, as, uh, as you may in Hebrew, he actually uses uh, a full... Uh, a full word uh, for the word that is translated here yourselves. He's emphasizing uh, that whenever man invents worship, it's not for God. We don't get to say, uh, I made this worship for you, God. Uh, if we do that, he comes back and he says, no, you didn't. You made it for yourselves. You didn't make it. Uh, you didn't make it for me. This is This is false worship that is offered to God, or by which they think they may draw near to God. We see that uh, it's still so, even when you get to the fifth and last set of curses in this chapter, uh, the Lord says that part of the curse is that he will not smell their, uh, their sweet aromas or their pleasing aromas that they purport to offer uh, to him. Uh, so this is uh, a reminder that the second commandment is not just a repetition of the first commandment. The second commandment is about the worship of the 
one true God by man's own devices. And so it's for ourselves, not for the Lord. And it's also from ourselves, not from the Lord. Uh, They are the ones who are making. They are the ones uh, who are carving. uh, And they are the ones who have to make it stand uh, in verse 1. And that puts man in the place of the Creator. But we are to worship the actual Creator, not ourselves, to be the Creator. God gives us to be creative in His creation. Uh, But He prohibits us to be creative in His worship, where He is the Creator. When we interact with the creation, be creative. When you interact with the Creator, He is the Creator. Uh, And... Uh, And so we must not have this worship that is for ourselves, uh, and we can identify worship that is for ourselves by the fact that it is from ourselves, and that we must sustain it. Uh, That sounds horrible, and it is, because what can we make to stand up uh, if the worship that we offer is something that we must sustain, that must be sustained by our ability and our strength? Uh, then it is not the worship of the one true God. No, he is the one who makes us to stand, and he uses uh, the same root. It doesn't appear that way in the English, because uh, in uh, the first verse, it says, uh, shall you rear up for yourselves? But it is the same same word as when he says, uh, at the end of verse 13, I've broken the bands of your yoke and made you walk upright. God is the one who makes his people to stand up. Uh, If you have to make your God stand up, you have the wrong God. And if you have to make your way of worship stand up, then you have the wrong worship. Now, when we are worshiping according to the Lord's way of worship, and we don't perceive his help, and we don't know his nearness, we don't know the shining of his face upon us or the sharing of uh, of his fellowship with us, Uh, then we should remember that he is the one who must make it to stand. And in that case, rather than change what we are doing, as if we have some wisdom to improve upon what God has given for worship, we ought to cry out to God and ask for his help uh, and ask him uh, to sanctify our worship. Uh, And so he gives us not just his sanctuary, verse 2, but his Sabbaths that when we come to him according to his schedule, with the rhythm of life that he has established, then uh, we are remembering that he is the one who came up with the schedule to give us fellowship with himself, or to emphasize to us, rather, that our whole life, the reason we are created, the reason we have been redeemed, is that we might enjoy the shining of God's favor upon us and the sharing of God's fellowship with us. Uh, So it is a horror that uh, these two commandments, Israel would reject. There's a horror that whenever a church uh, declines, uh, and a sobering reality, that by the Lord's own definition, uh, here, the visible church since Christ uh, has been in a low estate as far uh, as her condition on the earth through the majority of uh, the two millennia in which our Lord has been seated upon the throne, is a horror that these two, the second commandment and the fourth commandment, uh, given to us for uh, such blessed purposes, uh, 
are the ones that first come under attack by the sinfulness of men. Uh, and we shall see when we consider that further, uh, especially in the section on the curses, that this is the cause of the lowest state of the church and the lowest state of nations in which Christianity had formerly been predominant, but in wor which worship has been corrupted and the Lord's Day is being profaned. So he begins the chapter with these commands that remind us that worship and truth uh, and life uh, as God's redeemed are supposed to be about the enjoying of the shining of his favor and the sharing of his fellowship. Now, the blessings that come uh, by, uh, by way of the fellowship, not that are earned, these blessings are not earned at all, even throughout the chapter, the Lord reminds them that he is the one who has saved them out of Egypt. He is the one who has made them stand up. He is the one who did these things to make them his people and uh, himself their covenant God. Uh, and yet he uh, he treats his uh, his church rightly, even as he treats his children rightly. Uh, as he treats his children rightly, we experience discipline in the course of our lives. Hebrews 12 especially reminds us of that. Uh, but as he treats his church rightly, he chastens and disciplines her throughout the course of her life. Uh, one of the sad parts of which is that there would be many within her who are not believers, who are not redeemed. Uh, and so her chastening uh, is, is very severe uh, indeed. But first, uh, the blessings. Uh, we're reminded that these are his uh, commandments and his statutes. And so uh, the blessings uh, are blessings which remind us of Eden. Uh, that time of uh, fellowship with the Lord in which Adam was still in knowledge and righteousness and holiness. Verse 4 uh, reminds us of the reverse of the fall, uh, where the land yields its produce, and the trees of the field yield uh, their fruit. Uh, and even the rain in its season is like the well-wateredness of the garden. Uh, and so just like the tabernacle had this inside that uh, was constructed in such a way that it appeared as a hybrid of Eden and heaven. So also the blessings that come in fellowship with God are not blessings so much because you are able to stuff your face as much as you would like. They are blessings because they hearken back to Eden. Uh, even the, uh, the, the eating and the safety in verse 5 uh, hearken back, recall, Genesis chapter 2, where they may eat of any fruit, any they may eat the fruit of any tree of the garden, and where uh, all of the beasts are named by Adam, submissive to him, take the place that he uh, assigns to them, even though there is not a helper suitable unto him over against uh, the evil living things that uh, are now in the world not receiving the dominion, uh, the taking of dominion that is described in Genesis chapter 1. Reverse then in verse 6 even uh, of, the, uh, of the fall. 
and the curses uh, of the fall. Well, all of this, uh, uh, all of this fellowship uh, with God, all these things that point to fellowship with God, uh, even His uh, easily and quickly removing those who are the seed of the serpent, verses uh, seven and eight. These are all not just transactional, uh, where God says that he will bless them by doing things for them, but they are personal. God is saying he is going to give them these blessings by being someone to them. Verse 9, For I will look on you favorably. Uh, language that reminds us immediately, or should remind us immediately, of the shining of the lampstand. I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply my multiply you and confirm my covenant with you. I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor whor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. So this very personal walking with the Lord, their walking with him, and his uh, walking with them. Uh, and you can probably still remember from a few minutes ago when we read that all of their sinning against him is going to be described as walking contrary to him. And all of his chastising of the visible church of Israel is going to be described as his also walking contrary to them. Uh, and so verses 9 through 13 remind us uh, that the blessings are not transactional or even material uh, so much as they are personal and relational. Yes, there are material blessings, uh, but the the primary nature of those blessings is that they come as part of the Lord's fellow uh, walking with them. So that we even read verse 10, which is quite remarkable, uh, because it comes uh, on the heels of verse 9, where they are multiplied, and despite their multiplication, uh, the land yields so fully uh, that... Uh, they never run out of food. They're always clearing out the old harvest. Uh, you combine this with the previous chapter, chapter 25, and, uh, and there's uh, this picture of uh, when the covenant is being kept, uh, the sabbatical year, the barns are stuffed to the gills, uh, and there's enough in the, it being produced in the field that they can all just go graze and glean. They don't even need to touch the barn barns they have all of the uh the fresh uh produce great many multiplied people even the even the idea that uh the earth is being used up and uh there's scarcity and we need to reduce our multiplication or uh we'll run out of resources uh is an unspoken admission that all mankind knows that they are under the wrath of God, and not trusting him, not walking in fellowship with him. So worship that uh, communicates uh, God's favor and God's fellowship, blessing that is an enjoyment of that favor and that fellowship. But if man, if man rejects God's worship and God's calendar, uh, then he may expect curses or chastenings, chastising, if the church in particular rejects God's worship and God's calendar. 
she may expect God's personal uh, opposition. Uh, we remember uh, yesterday, James 4, verse 6, God's personal opposition to the proud and personal strengthening and upholding of, of the humble. Well, these curses uh, are personal. And he shows the justice of that even by verse 15. If you despise my statutes, if your soul abhors my judgments, and that corresponds to that dreadful statement in the fifth section, fifth of the five sections of uh, the curses, uh, where he says his soul will abhor then. Well, it's because their soul has abhorred his judgments, their soul has abhorred his commandments. So my statutes, my judgments, my commandments, my covenant, verse 15, uh, reminding that uh, it is all uh, it is all personal. Uh, and then he will uh, personally chasten them. And these are chastenings. They are meant to bring them back. Four times uh, we see, if you still don't, if you still don't, if you still don't. Uh, and so we are not uh, to see here, like might come from our sinful heart, vindictive, uh, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, the sort of response from God. Uh, but God who is chastening his people to call them to repentance, uh, even as he says, even at the very end, after they hadn't repented the whole time. Uh, and he says, well, if they never repent, then I'm going to give uh, the remnant uh, some repentance. I will not allow the covenant to be finally and uh, completely broken. Uh, and praise God, we have just been studying in Romans uh, how the ultimate reason for that, or the ultimate way by which he does that, uh, is among those who are Israelites who were elected. But the curses are personal. In verse 17 he says, now, I will set my face against you. In verse 18, he doesn't say, if you do not obey my commandments, he says, if you do not obey me. Verse 21, he says, if you walk contrary to me. Uh, verse 23, he says, if by these things you are not reformed by me. And so uh, the church should see uh, whenever the Lord uh, brings her through times of suffering and trial, and um, especially what we're going to see in the fifth section, times in which she falls into sin, which is the most dreadful of the curses in this uh, in this chapter. When she goes through hardship, uh, she ought to see the Lord reforming her, the Lord purifying her. And he says, if by these things you are not reformed by me, so responding to me in this thing that I'm doing with you, but continue to walk contrary to me. Verse 24, I also will walk contrary to you. Then again, verse 27, uh, after all this, if you do not obey me, but walk contrary to me, uh, then I also will walk contrary to you uh, in fury. Uh, and that uh, and that begins uh, the last uh, of the five sections uh, of the chast chastisements, of the chastenings, of the curses here. Uh, and we see 
um, you know, the loss of the blessings of the land, the loss of the blessings of Eden, the feeling more and more the effects of the curse. We go from repeal of the curse, the land will yield its produce, to the curse exponentially intensified with the heavens will be brass and the earth will yield nothing for you. You'll experience um, nothing but the uh, the power of those who are wicked uh, over you. Uh, you will be expelled uh, to the east, just like uh, Adam was expelled east of, uh, of Eden. Uh, and so you see him holding before them continuously, even by the sorts of punishments they are, that what you are rejecting is not just the means by which to eat, the means by which to be happy, the means by which to prosper. You are rejecting the favor of God. You are rejecting fellowship with God. How can you make up your own worship? How can you profane the Sabbaths? How can you replace them with your your own rhythm uh, for your life when God has established a rhythm for your life? Don't you see that it's fellowship with God himself that you are rejecting over and over? Uh, he says... Uh, throughout this chapter. And when he comes, he brings them uh, into the last uh, section of curses. The uh, greatest horror is in verse 29. Uh, well, second greatest horror, uh, because the greatest horror is actually verses 30 and 31. But the, the greatest horror, uh, earthly speaking, is in verse 29. You shall eat the flesh of your sons, and you shall eat the flesh of your daughters. Here is not just scarcity. Here is being plunged into the most unnatural wickedness. Uh, here is uh, the curse uh, of strife between parents and children, which is part of the curse, also now multiplied exponentially so that he gives them over to unnatural sin. However hard things had become, any natural affection uh, would produce... Uh, parents who starve with their children, not who abuse the power that they have over their children uh, to to kill them and to eat them. Uh, and yet giving man over to unnatural sin is always the last stage uh, of God's judgments upon them uh, in this life. And uh, we see that in Romans 1, uh, verses 24 to 28. Uh, where he, we have that that sequence or series of three. Uh, he gave them up. He gave them up. He gave them up uh, to the unnatural sin of homosexuality, which uh, our own uh, nation has been given up to now. Not just the committing of the that unnatural sin being rampant, but even uh, the approval of it. Uh, even within the church, starting to infect uh, much of what is uh, supposedly the visible church. Abortion, the continual slaughter for convenience, not even because they're starving, just so they can have a more comfortable life, just so they can uh, pursue their own desires and their own goals, uh, with which uh, having children comes into conflict. That's even worse, isn't it? Uh, than the killing uh, to eat. Uh, at least there's some sort of insane logic of necessity there. Uh, that's not, you know, the 
murdering of the children in our culture is not even according to an insane logic of necessity. It's just an insane logic of preference. And so if we know that all providence is personal and that God has not changed, uh, he, he still insists on his own worship. And if we worship unacceptably, end of Hebrews 12 reminds us that, uh, that our God is still consuming fire. And then we see not only the, the nation generally, but now creeping even into the churches, being given over to these unnatural sins. Shall we not see that the Lord is walking contrary to the visible church? Uh, shall we not uh, reconsider, examine ourselves, and particularly what we are doing with his worship and what we are doing with his Sabbath, with the Lord's Day? And indeed, we have added much that we have made that we have to make to stand to his worship. And we have made our own holy days, which establish our own rhythm, uh, and uh, therefore uh, which depart from God having redeemed us to enjoy the shining of his favor and the sharing of his fellowship. Uh, and we have done this not with an earthly tabernacle, but we have done it with the Lord Jesus himself and the worship that he leads from heaven and the day that is now very specifically his day, that Sabbath-keeping that remains, that is the Lord's day. And so let us not wonder, but let us weep and mourn and confess and repent. Because while there is life, there is hope. After these five, if they still do not, and then uh, five escalations, uh, you have in verse 40, to 46, but if they confess their iniquity, if they confess that they have walked contrary to me, verse 40, if they confess that what they have received is, is walking contrary to them, and we said the worst part was in verse 31, and then we didn't, we didn't open it up, but it's, uh, he rejects worship, uh, not having the Lord uh, acknowledge our worship, however we acknowledge it, not having him acknowledge it. Uh, but if we confess, and if we humble ourselves, if they confess and humble themselves, he said in verses 40 and 41, he would remember the covenant, not that he had forgotten it, but that he would act according to the blessing and favor promised in that covenant. Uh, notice the uh, sum of the consequence is is still carried out. He is a good God who uh, gives proper amount of chastening and the land enjoying its Sabbaths in verse 43, just as back in verse 34 and 35 reminds them that the Sabbaths aren't there for the land, but it reminds them what they have rejected by rejecting God's ways. They rejected the enjoyment of, uh, of God himself. And yet he is determined to bring to repentance. He will not abandon uh, Israel entirely. Uh, and if he does this, you know, verse 45, for the sake of the covenant that he made with their ancestors, how much more will he do this for us now, who are in his visible church, which he will never ultimately abandon, 
and will never let be taken uh, entirely by the evil one. He is building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail uh, against it. The Lord Jesus revealing himself to be the God uh, of uh, Leviticus 26. He is building his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And if the Lord remembers his covenant for the sake of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, how much more for the sake of his resurrected and ascended son, who, however much the visible church is sinning against him here, our Lord Jesus is living to intercede in glory for us, pleading on behalf. The one who said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do of his enemies as they murdered him. Uh, does he say it any less? Uh, with respect to his visible church, and especially those branches of the visible church in which there are still many uh, of the redeemed. Uh, and so let us take encouragement uh, from the Lord being ready to receive repentance and from uh, the Lord Jesus interceding on our behalf that we would be quick to repent uh, and and be hungry, desirous for uh, this reformation, this renewal, this revival uh, of the church following the Lord's uh, commands, all of them, but especially those for worship the way the Lord has commanded, for Sabbath-keeping, Lord's Day, the way the Lord has commanded, that he might restore us, whether in worship or in our work, to knowing that our whole life uh, is an enjoying of the shining of his favor upon us, and the sharing of his fellowship with us. God grant to us the repentance uh, and the restoration uh, that this chapter holds before us. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this portion of your word. We pray that you would bless it to us. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to see just how glorious and generous you are to create and to redeem, to gather us to yourself in Christ, to make us know your favor upon us, to make us know your fellowship with us, O oh Lord. Uh, how blessed we are to enjoy you, to walk with you, and even to know that you make, uh, make us to know your fellowship with us as a uh, walking with us. We thank you that your Son, our Lord Jesus, literally walked among men one day, and that in the last day the great declaration will be that your and his dwelling place uh, is with us. Uh, Lord, give us to know our whole life that way. Grant not only that we would have an external following of your rules for worship and uh, for your day, but that internally we would enjoy your favor and your fellowship, uh, not only in your worship, but in the whole rest of our lives. Grant it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.